This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Demarest, CPA with Parmelson Associates. So coming into this year, mortgage rates were less than 3% for most borrowers, whereas today the average rate is almost double that. This has been increasing the cost of borrowing for not only individuals, but businesses as well. This week, we're going to talk about why interest rates are going up and what you can do about it. Before we get into that, though, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? Why make life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by listening to shops and solving problems fast. GetShopware.com At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, the focus is on helping shop owners unlock their full potential by specializing in an expert coaching and marketing program designed for your specific shop. For more information about their programs, please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com. So if we want to talk here about interest rates, you know, one of the big things that's in the news right now is interest rates are going up. But why are interest rates going up? So this is an extremely complicated topic, and we're not going to get into all the details about it, but just going to kind of hit on the core biggest reason and specifically the biggest reason for the United States. You know, right now we have a global economy, so it's not just what we're doing, it's what the rest of the world is doing. But the biggest factor that's impacting the U.S. market as far as interest rates is the Federal Reserve raising rates to combat inflation. Remember last week when we talked about inflation, I kind of alluded to that inflation rates are directly tied to interest rates and increasing interest rates is pretty much the biggest tool that the Federal Reserve has to combat inflation. But before we talk about that, we have to understand what is the Federal Reserve, right? Hunt, what are you talking about? What is the Federal Reserve? What is this thing that is kind of behind the scenes controlling our money? Essentially, that's what it is, right? It's an organization or a governmental organization that is behind the scenes that kind of controls our whole banking industry, lending, um, has some oversights, and also has some policy concerns on, on what they do and don't do to kind of dictate what the market is doing. They do a lot of other things, but specific to what we're talking about today in interest rates, the Federal Reserve meets at least eight times throughout the year to set the standard interest rates of what they want banks um, you know, lending money out. And then also this is directly tied to how much the banks are also paying out in interest as well. So for, you know, before 2022, for the last couple years, even more than that, the Federal Reserve has not raised interest rates at all. It was very low. They kept it very low. You might have heard people talk about the Federal Reserve kept rates too low for too long. If interest rates are too low, it incentivizes people to spend. And when people spend, demand goes up, prices go up, and then ultimately inflation goes up. So what the Federal Reserve is doing right now is they are increasing interest rates, which is trying to stifle purchasing. And if you stifle purchasing, you stifle demand. That means prices go down and in turn, inflation goes down as well. Sounds like a pretty simple idea, right? Yes and no, right? So what the Federal Reserve does is they're setting these policies to try and make consumers act a certain way. Once the consumers act a certain way, then prices go ultimately the direction that they want it to and inflation as well. Like I said, lately, these meetings have been increasing the interest rates also affects the stock market as well. 
The reason this affects the stock market, as you've seen in the last couple months here, is the stock market doesn't react based on news. A lot of this stuff is kind of already built into the prices. So if we're sitting here right now, we think that the next Federal Reserve meeting, they're going to raise interest rates another 0.5 percentage points. If the Federal Reserve raises the rates 0.5 percentage points, we're not going to see a monstrous change in the stock market because investors were already banking on that happening. Now, where issues arise is what we had at the last meeting when they thought they were going to raise it, and then they ended up raising it even higher than what they were expecting, in turn making the stock market go down because of that shock. So now that we have a good understanding of what the Federal Reserve is and and how and why they are increasing interest rates, I want to talk to a, a little bit more about why interest rates and inflation are so directly tied together. I kind of mentioned this on last week's episode, and I had kind of trouble trying to put this into simple terms on why interest rates and inflation are so tied together. It's kind of an abstract idea because interest rates are kind of tangible. Inflation is not really tangible. It's just out there, right? So I want to kind of give you two examples here that show how interest rate and inflation are directly tied together. And also, ultimately, later in this episode, you'll kind of see how what the Fed does affects consumers to make this move in a certain direction. What you're essentially doing here is you're trying to raise the interest rates to incentivize people to save money. So the first example of this, I'm going to say, is let's say that you go out and you want to buy a new car. And that car, they're offering 0% financing. Now, on the other hand of things is, let's say that you want to go out and you want to save money and you go to your bank, you go to Wells Fargo, Bank of America or whoever, and you say, hey, I'd like to put some money into a savings account. What kind of interest are you paying? And they come back and they say 0.01% interest is the annual rate that we're going to pay on the savings account. Does this sound familiar? It should, because this is essentially the market that we had last year and for a lot of years before that as well. In this situation, you don't really have a whole lot of money to save this because you put that money into a savings account, you're not making any interest. And on the other side of things, you're not really penalized at all for buying a car because you're paying 0% interest. So whether you give them all the cash now or you pay them over six years, it's not going to cost you any more money because you're paying 0% interest. So this is incentivizing or had incentivized a lot of people to go out and save money or a lot of people to go out and spend money because you weren't really being rewarded for saving money. So what ended up happening is if you had incentivized people to go out and spend money, then demand goes up. And then also in our situation right now, COVID happened, which made supply go down. So if we have demand going up, supply going down, then what we have is much, much higher prices than in the past, which is exactly where we are now. Demand was skyrocketing because interest rates were so low. Some of the issues with COVID called supply in a lot of separate markets to go down. Demand up, supply down, prices are skyrocketing, which is how we get to 9.1% inflation for June. So you can kind of see how interest rates ultimately are affecting inflation there. Now, let's go on the other hand of things and kind of show you what the Fed is trying to do here to combat inflation. So if you have a car loan that is instead of 0%, but now 10%, 
that car just got a lot more expensive. And also on the flip side of things, on the saving side of things, what about if banks are now paying 5%? Now, this is probably not a savings account, but a bond or a cash deposit or something like that that is paying a lot better return on investment. So in this situation, if the car loan is now at 10%, you're going to think twice about going and financing a really expensive car because it's going to end up costing you a lot more than whatever you're agreeing to on the price unless you're paying cash. And on the other side of things, you know, in the past, you weren't that excited about going to save money because you're just not getting a good return on investment or any sort of return on investment. If you're getting 5% now, you're incentivizing people to save their money and hold on to their money. So in this situation, we have the exact opposite of what's going on in the past or what we saw, you know, last year and years before. If you have interest rates high and savings uh, rates higher as well, then what you're ultimately doing here is you're decreasing demand. People are thinking twice about buying that five series because they're going to say, hey, 10% interest, this is going to be a big monthly payment. I'm not sure I want to do that. Maybe I'll just in turn put that same money into a savings account or a CD and make some return on that. So if we see demand go down, and supply, you know, maybe stay the same or increase once some of these COVID issues are resolved, then what we ultimately see is prices coming down. And if we remember from last week, if prices go down, consumer prices go down, inflation goes down as well. I hope that kind of like gives you an idea because I I know I, I threw that example out there last week of saying, hey, inflation is directly tied to interest rates. And I didn't really link it up that well. As much as you love the shop routine that you have now, I'll tell you that switching to a cloud-based shop management system will pay off in more ways than you can imagine. Not only will you let go of bad habits that are costing you money, you'll free up more time for your techs to fix more cars. Your quotes will be quicker and more accurate, and you'll make more money per part than you ever did before. We all know that time is money. When you streamline your day, you waste less time on repetitive brain drains. Start fresh by going to your favorite browser and looking up GetShopware.com. The orange book a demo button will set you on a journey for more profit and less stress. You'll never look back. Check it out at GetShopware.com. At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, the focus is on helping shop owners unlock their full potential by specializing in an expert coaching and marketing program designed for your specific shop. Their mission is to coach the owners to focus on growing their bottom line and building a team culture within their business. At the Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care endorsed program, they train the owners and the staff what right looks like, so everyone is on the same page and driving towards a common goal. Their coaching program focuses on all aspects of your business so that the owner can step back from the daily grind and start to work on their business and not in their business. For more information about their programs, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. Now, in reality, this concept is a lot more complicated than this, but this is a great illustration of the general idea of what's going on and what the Fed is trying to do. The overall idea here is the Fed is setting these rates and the Fed is setting these rates to try and make the consumer do a certain thing. If done correctly, what the Fed does changes consumer behavior, then by changing the consumer behavior, ultimately it's going to affect prices, going to affect the supply and demand curves. And then ultimately, this will affect inflation because now prices are going down, which means the inflation is going to go down as well. Now that we have an idea of why interest rates are going up, 
Let's talk about how that affects our business and personal life. So starting on the personal side of things, the two biggest impacts of the average person right now and also in the future here going on are going to be the cost of mortgages and also the benefits of saving money. So like I mentioned before, mortgage rates have doubled this year. The average mortgage rate coming into the year was 3% or in a lot of situations less than 3%. And on the other side of things, right now, we are seeing interest rates at around 6% or even higher. I've seen interest rates for personal mortgages at six and a half, six and three quarters for certain borrowers right now, which is pretty crazy. The reason that this is having kind of a ripple effect on our economy in certain places is think about it like this. If in January, if you went out and you qualified for a $400,000 mortgage with a 3% interest rate, If you went out and tried to qualify based on the same monthly payment right now, you probably would only be able to afford a $350,000 mortgage at 6%. The reason is the mortgage payment is obviously going to be significantly higher, which means people have to buy a cheaper house to be able to afford the payment. If there is less demand or people who can't afford these prices, then prices have to come down to compensate. Now, depending on where you are right now, you might have already seen this in your market. This has been a hot topic, and I've kind of been reading about this, as certain markets are already seeing a 10, 15, even 20% decrease in average home sale prices just because of interest rates alone, right? When the interest rates are climbing, 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 people can no longer afford these same prices. So they're going to say, hey, If you want me to buy this house, given this new interest rate, you're going to have to lower your prices or ultimately sellers will start to lower their prices because they don't see that demand is high because of the interest rates going up. Now, on the saving side of things, like we talked about in this earlier example, do you think that there is going to be more an incentive or people are going to be more likely to save their money if they're getting 5% interest rates or if they're getting 0.01% interest? Obviously, the higher savings rate at 5% is going to be a lot more attractive to people, and you're going to be rewarded by saving your money. Now, you can see that the Fed's monetary policy is all to drive certain habits for the consumers, and sometimes they have to shock the system, as they're doing right now, to get people to change their behavior. The biggest piece of advice that I can give you on the personal side is to save your money as always, and I would honestly recommend against aggressively paying down low interest rate mortgages right now. Now, Dave Ramsey would be very upset with me for saying this, but if your mortgage is 3%, then paying that mortgage down is gonna give you a 3% return on investment or ROI, right? Because what is ROI, return on investment here? If I give you $100, how much money am I gonna get back? And in a situation with a mortgage, if your interest rate is 3%, I'm going to give you $100, and it's essentially going to save me $103 because of that 3% interest rate for the life of the loan. On the other hand, though, if you can take that same $100 and put it into a CD that's paying 4%, then if I take that same $100 and put it into the CD, that's now going to be $104 next year. And so you can see that there's already an incentive if you have a very low mortgage rate to instead of taking that money and paying down your mortgage, to take it and invest it elsewhere. Now, this has always been the situation for mortgages, right? No matter what the interest rate is, there's probably going to be something that is going to allow you to get a higher rate of return. But depending on how high that mortgage rate is, the rate of return to offset it or beat it 
might be higher and higher, which means it might be a riskier investment. So let's say that your mortgage rate is 10% and you say, Hunt, why would I pay down my mortgage when it's only 10%? I could go out and invest in Bitcoin, which is going to give me 30% rate of return. Now, the thing about investing in something like Bitcoin is, yeah, that could give you a 30% rate of return. But also, as we've seen this year, you could also lose 80% of its value. Extremely risky investment. Versus what we're seeing right now is if you have a 3% mortgage, you could have a very conservative investment like a CD that's going to already outpace that. A CD is not going to lose you money. A CD is not going to go to zero. A CD is almost a risk-free investment there. And if you have a risk-free investment that's paying more than your mortgage, then why are we going to pay down our mortgage too aggressively? The last thing on this is you can kind of see the overall tone of this that, you know, we could be headed for some dark times or a little bit of a pullback here. If I put that money into a CD, that means I still have that cash. So if something happens, I need to buy something, I need to remain liquid, I'm going to have that money in the CD to be able to pay that versus if I'm paying that mortgage down, all I'm doing is building equity in my house or, you know, whatever property that you have that you should be able to ultimately get out, but it's not going to be as liquid. It's not going to be instant. So on a business side of things, the biggest impacts are going to be your cost of borrowing or purchasing things, which in turn should be affecting your prices to your customers. So when businesses borrow money, you're either going to get a fixed rate or a floating rate. Personally, I always prefer fixed rates because it's going to be a lot more uniform. The monthly payment's going to say exactly the same. You don't have to kind of play the gamble of, are rates going to go up? Are rates going to go down? Is this a good rate? Is it going to change? Am I going to be able to afford that? You're going to know what it is. It's going to be locked in for the life of the loan. This is always preferable. And right now, for a lot of banks, they're still doing fixed rates. But when we have times where the rates are very uncertain or the rates are kind of changing a lot, then a lot of banks do floating interest rates. And we've been seeing that more and more lately. So most SBA loans that have a floating rate are set against something that is called prime. So you can look it up right now. You know, if you just Google and say, what is the prime rate right now? Essentially, the prime rate is an agreed upon rate that a lot of banks use to set as their base of their floating rate. And so most SBA loans are called Prime Plus. What does Prime Plus mean? Prime Plus means that you're going to say, all right, your interest rate, if you own a business or if you're getting financing, is going to be Prime Plus 2.25% or Prime Plus 2.75%. So most loans right now are Prime Plus. And so let's take, for example, if you have a loan that's Prime Plus 2.25%. What that means is today, that loan would be 7% because prime is at 4.75% plus 2.25 means we're going to add 2.25% to that amount. So right now it's at 7%. What happens if you're at prime plus 2.25 and prime is now at 8%? That means that you're going to have a 10.25% interest rate on your loan. So as prime goes up or down, you're always going to be two and a quarter percent above that. As a general rule of thumb, depending on, you know, your risk, depending on how much cash you have down, depending on the bank's philosophy, most floating rates loans are prime plus 2.25. And I've seen it go as high as prime plus 3.5. Generally, though, it's between 2.25 and 2.75%. Now, like I mentioned on here, if you can get a fixed rate, 
I like it. You set it. You forget it. Now, there is a game that you can play. You know, you can offset prime. There's different ways that banks can do swaps to essentially have a floating rate that still has a fixed monthly payment. But the general idea here is that as interest rates go up, if you have a floating rate, your payment is going to go up just as much. Since rates are going up and and purchasing for your business is a lot less emotional than on the personal side, you need to adjust your prices accordingly. If we were using that example before about, you know, buying a car or a car loan, maybe you need a car, maybe you just want a car. But a lot of situations, you're not in a, you're not sitting there being like, hey, I no longer have a car. I need to buy a new car. You're saying, you know what? This car is getting a little bit older. I wouldn't mind replacing it. But interest rates are going really high. You know what? I'm going to hang on to this car and I'm just going to fix it. That example is relative is relevant for really two big reasons. One, in your own personal life, you're probably experiencing that. And also on your business side, you're probably experiencing this with customers, you know, choosing to fix their vehicles to keep them on the road longer because they don't want to pay for some of these new vehicles. Now, on the business side, that is not as common because if you need a new alignment rack because your old one is broken, you're going to go out and you're going to buy it no matter what. Hey, I can't be without alignment rack. I can't do alignments. I can't sell alignments. My customer is going to be unhappy and I just need to make this happen. But if your cost of buying and financing at a piece of equipment is higher, then in turn, your cost of alignment that you're selling to a customer needs to be more expensive, right? In the past, when you were financing that alignment, it cost you a thousand bucks a month for a lease payment. And now that lease payment is 1500. It only makes sense that you translate that to the customer. If you leave your prices exactly the same and your cost of business or your cost of financing is higher then all you're doing is decreasing your profits. So as inflation goes up, as interest rates goes up, as everyone's costs go up, that means that your sales price needs to go up as well. So on the business side of things, interest rates are always going to be higher than on the personal side. So there can be a better argument to pay down your business debt faster because you're going to get a higher return on investment. When paying down business debt, the first thing to think of is your cash position. I always tell people this because they call me up and they say, hey, Hunt, I want to pay off this loan I have. I want to start paying down my business mortgage a little bit faster. First things first, I always tell people you are not allowed to aggressively pay down debt unless you have a proper cash reserve. If you do not have a proper cash reserve, then you're going to put yourself into a very tricky situation if you start to aggressively pay down debt. Here's kind of a nightmare situation. I've seen it happen time and time again. So a business becomes very profitable. Maybe in the past they weren't as profitable. And so instead of building up their reserves, they try and chip away debt. Hey, you know what? I'd racked up $100,000 of credit card over the years trying to build this business. It's finally now making some serious money. I'm going to take all of those profits. I'm going to start paying down my old debt. Now, what happens is really two possible situations. The first one is, is now we have profit in the business. And profit means that we're going to have tax. If you used all of that profit to pay down debt, you're not going to have any money to pay the tax on the profit. Cash crunch number one. Another thing is, is let's say that you made all this profit, you set enough money aside so you have money to pay the tax on it, but maybe all of a sudden now the business starts to slow down again. Yeah, you've cleaned up all of your debt, but you're in a no better cash position than you were in the past. So now if we have this business slow down, you're going to have to borrow money again to get through it because you've burned through all of your cash reserves. 
And now you can see we're in a vicious cycle where we're right back where we started. So first things first, make sure that you have cash, make sure that you have proper reserves of cash. If you do, then we can start aggressively paying down debt or paying down debt in general. Now, it's a bit easier for the business side of things because if you have multiple different loans um, or payments that you want to kind of target here, the easiest thing to do is to target the highest interest rate debt first. The reason why we're going to target the highest interest rate is the higher the interest rate, the higher return on investment. So let's say that you have a car loan at 3% in your business, you have a credit card at 20%, and then you have your mortgage on your building for 10%. The first thing that I'm going to target is going to be the credit card, right? Because if I pay that credit card down, I'm getting a 20% return on investment. Credit cards always have the highest interest rate, so it's going to give us the best bang for our buck by paying those down first. Next thing on that, I'm going to attack the business mortgage because that's, again, a higher interest rate. And then lastly, I'm going to pay down the car loan because that is the cheapest interest rate. So always start from the highest interest rate first, working your way down to the lower interest rates. Now, one little caveat here is you have to take into consideration how much some of these loans are, right? If you have a loan that's maybe a little bit lower interest rate, but you only owe like $2,000 on it. If you want to just knock that out because it would be easier, you get rid of a monthly payment, save some cash flow, then fine, do it, right? It's a smaller amount. But generally for these larger ones, I'm not really looking at the overall balance owed. I'm really just having a primary focus on what is the interest rate is what is my return on investment. The big thing here to think about for the business and the personal side is Interest rates are climbing. Interest rates are going to continue to climb. You know, the Federal Reserve has said, hey, in the near future, we are going to continue to raise interest rates until we can see that this is actually affecting inflation and in turn affecting prices in the market. You know, people and humans in general are creatures of habits. And as you can tell, and I mentioned before on here that sometimes the Fed really has to shock the system to get people to wake up. Because if the Fed comes up and says, hey, we're going to raise things one percentage points it's not going to affect overall human's behavior. Hey, it's not a major change. No one notices. Now think about it right now. It's the hottest topic. It's what everyone's talking about. Interest rates, inflation, costs are skyrocketing. This is exactly what they're trying to do to hopefully shock the system and have things pull back. Now, when things pull back, we have one of two options. What the Fed is hoping for is what's called a soft landing. Soft landing means, just like if you're thinking about for a plane, Hey, we're going to start to descend. We're going to come down in a very, you know, reasonable way. And the plane is going to land and we're going to be now at a lower level, lower pricing, lower inflation. Everyone can get off that plane. Everyone is happy. Now, what happens if we, you know, like I said, you think about this as a plane. It's climbing, climbing, climbing as inflation is climbing as well. So the Fed tries to combat that and say, Hey, we're going to crank up the interest rates. Sometimes what happens is it comes down too fast right? That plane starts to nosedive and it ends up smashing into the ground. What that is, is that's a recession. That is what the Fed is trying to avoid here. They're trying to have a soft landing, but in the past, in history, soft landings are very hard to do because there's so many variables here. And what we could be in for is that hard nosedive crash or a recession, which as everyone remembers back in 2000, 2008, not the best thing. Um, obviously, it's affecting the market. 
Now, the only positive here is for the auto repair industry, a recession is not necessarily the bad thing in the long run. Because what happens in a recession, people feel they have less money, people are more inclined to fix their cars versus to trade it in and go buy a newer car. If people are more inclined to spend some money on their used car and fix it, that means that your business is going to be making more money. Now, in the short term when recession hits, generally we have a couple dark months or even a couple dark quarters because consumer confidence is very low and people are just hanging on to their money. I heard a great quote the other day and it said, history never repeats itself, but it often rhymes. So essentially what they're saying here is the exact same thing doesn't usually happen because we should have learned from our mistakes, but things very similar often do happen given similar situations. The last time we saw house prices skyrocket as much as they have in the past couple of years was 2007 and 2008. And we all remember what happened in 2007, 2008. Now, the last time that we saw inflation was as high as it is right now was 1981. And in 1981, the average mortgage rate was 18%. So if history is our indicator, does that mean that we're going to have a complete collapse of the housing market and economy? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that we can all agree that the next couple months, quarters, or years could be a bit tumultuous. We need to make sure we have the cash. We need to make sure that we're staying on top of this stuff. And like I you know, said always, we need to make sure we have a better understanding of our finances and the economy in general. Because if you have that understanding, it's going to hopefully allow you to kind of see some of these trends and make changes and change direction before it's too late. So I hope this was helpful. I hope the last two weeks kind of gave you a little bit better idea of what's going on with our economy, how it's getting affected, why it's getting affected, and what you should be doing right now with your business and personal life. So as always, please share this with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, or even if you want to be a guest on a future episode, shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Last couple of weeks, I've gotten some really cool feedback from people. I always love hearing that. Um, it's kind of strange when I record these episodes. I'm sitting in my basement or sitting at my office, usually at night, uh, so the kids aren't yelling. And I'm just putting this out there and saying, well, hey, hopefully someone finds this helpful. So for those of you that reached out and said, hey, love the episode, I appreciate it, um, really makes me energized to record more of these. So thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.